Well, hey guys, welcome to Northridge. We are so glad you're with us on this beautiful day. Uh, man, what an incredible day here in Michigan. And if you're not in Michigan and you're somewhere else, we hope that your day was equally as beautiful. Uh, whether you're watching on uh, YouTube or Facebook or maybe the Northridge site, uh, again, we're just honored that you're here. As you guys know, in the, in the midst of all this, our weekend services look quite different than they used to when we can all gather together. Uh, and as a church, a lot of our ministries look different. But I think it's important to note that there are so many ministries happening every day in all kinds of different and new and creative ways here at Northridge. We're trying to find all kinds of ways to continue to connect and help you grow. One of the things that happens every week that I love is Brad, Pastor Brad, even through the summer, he's doing this Thursday nights live. And they're just incredible encouragement where he kind of gives some updates on what's going on as well as just kind of a devotional. Sometimes he interviews people, but they're fantastic. And this last Thursday night was so encouraging to me. And if you have found yourself kind of in the midst of all this pandemic with a sense of loss, maybe because some things are not like they used to be, you need to go back and listen to his devotional from Thursday night because it was fantastic. You can go to northridgechurch.com slash update and you can go back and... Uh, view any of the Thursday Night Lives that maybe you missed. I promise you it'll be well worth your time. Well, this weekend we're continuing in our series uh, called The Anatomy of a Dream. And I think this is a really important series, even in the midst of everything we're going through. Because I know the tendency right now is to kind of view life as if we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to keep our head above water. And yet I think God has so much more for us. And none of this, none of this is a surprise to Him. And I think in this season, it's a season where we can continue to dream and we can continue uh, to believe that God has a purpose for our lives. And uh, I, I'm excited as we kind of walk through this together. So last week we kind of introduced this concept and we're using the life of David, but we could have used a dozen other characters out of scripture where you see these different phases that people go through as they pursue God's dream for their life, as they pursue God's purposes for their life. And we kind of walked through these phases. Let me just kind of review real quick. Phase one was this idea of become aware. And that's what we talked about last week. And we talked about David in those early days when he was really a nobody shepherd boy. And Samuel shows up and he is, you know, told that he's going to be the next king. And, and it's in this phase that we begin to feel like these little inklings, these ideas, these dreams, these visions, these ideas, these goals, right? These prompts these holy discontent moments that we have in our heart, it's in that season that those begin to kind of bubble up. And we talked last week about how you need to know that you are qualified and God is into the unexpected. And then phase two is encounter oppositions. That's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna to see David in this next chapter of his life as he encounters opposition. Then there's endure difficulties, that's phase three. And then phase four is learn surrender. And somebody asked me this week, they're like, Pete, do you, like, do you have to go through, you know, the four phases in that order? And I would say no. Like, again, this is not like a perfect equation. If you can find a way to skip to learn surrender without going through opposition and difficulties, then by all means, please do that. Skip right to phase four. But most people, and I've seen this to be so true in my own life, need those um, moments of opposition. We need those moments of difficulties to help get us to a place of complete surrender. And I wish there was another way, but for the most part, what I've seen in my life, what I see throughout scripture is this is the way that it works. So let's pick up in David's life as we kind of look at this phase two of encountering opposition. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, begins in verse three. 
It says the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span, which is uh, it's just roughly over uh, nine feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin, which was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's 15 pounds, all right? Just the point of the rod. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So you get this incredible kind of visual from the passage, right? You have the Philistines on one hill. You have the Israelites on the other. You have this valley in between them. And there's this giant, Goliath, who's over nine feet tall. He's this intimidating, seasoned warrior. And the thing that I want to kind of wrestle with in the next few minutes with you guys is in your life, what do you do when you're facing a giant? And I'm going to give you six things. There's probably more, but these are just six things that you see from this story that you should do when you're facing a giant in your life, all right? Here's number one. First of all, acknowledge that dream, uh, big dreams have big fights, all right? Acknowledge that big dreams have big fights. And since your dream, your purpose is unique, the giants that you face will be unique as well. So let's define a giant, okay? Because you, you kind of have to get past visualizing Goliath at nine feet tall and, and personalize this for your own life. So we're going to define a giant as this. A giant is an overwhelming obstacle or opposition that you encounter on the way to your dream. All right, so this could look very different in everybody's life. A giant could be, um, could be a lack of resources. So in your life, you feel like you don't have the power or you don't have the finances, or you don't have the connections, or you don't have the schooling, or you don't have the opportunities that you need in order to make good on the dream or the idea or the goal, or the purpose that you have in your heart. It could be uh, an opposing group or an individual. This could be um, you know, somebody that has the means to help you out, maybe even by the very definition of the role that they play in your life, they should be helping you out, but for some reason that they're not. Maybe this is someone who very strategically has come against you to make things difficult. Uh, this could be a, a racial thing. It could be a social prejudice thing. There could be a lot of different things happening here when it comes to a group or an individual that's opposing your standing in the way of your progress in this area. Uh, it could be intimidating circumstance, something that's kind of beyond your control. It could be a health thing like cancer. Uh, it could be paralysis. This could be uh, an addiction. I, I want you to think broader, though, all right, when we think about the different giants that we face in our life. And those, honestly, those are all what I would call external giants. Those are things that are coming at you from the outside. But my experience is, honestly, the most damaging giants in your life will not be the external giants. It will be the internal giants. And there's tons of those. I kind of have a list of them, actually. I want to kind of run through you. And as we read through these, Again, personalize this, right? Don't let this just be a message that you listen to. Don't be thinking about how this applies to somebody else. How does this apply to you? Which one of these internal giants do you seem to wrestle with? Here's a list. Uh, there's doubt, uh, unbelief, fear, anger, greed, envy, despair, discouragement. I think discouragement is probably a huge one that a lot of people are wrestling with right now. Self-condemnation, uh, fear of failure, I'll circle fear of failure because that's probably the one that I struggle with the most in my life 
It's always been a struggle for me. I could tell you story after story after story in my life of where I've felt God prompt me to do something. And um, I felt very passionate about wanting to try something, wanting to say something, wanting to stand up to something. And that fear of failure, that fear of what other people might think of me, that fear of what would happen or what would people say if I try this and it fails, it has dominated me in so many different areas of my life. I'm telling you, the internal giants will defeat you much quicker than the external giants ever will. So continuing the story, 1 Samuel 17, it says, Goliath stood and he shouted at the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So what Goliath is proposing here is actually, a, it's an ancient tradition called single combat. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's a game of one-on-one, -on -one, right? Winner takes all. We'll pick a man from our side. You pick a man from your side. Those two will fight and the winner would win the entire battle. And in, in a lot of ways, honestly, it, this is a very practical tradition because it, it did a couple of things. Number one, it would save time. It'd be much quicker than a full-on battle, right, between the both armies. And it saved a lot of unnecessary bloodshed. But the key for this to work at all is there had to be a volunteer from each side. And currently, there's no volunteer from the Israelite side, right? Nobody wants to go up against Goliath. Here's the second thing that you gotta have and have to know and realize when you're going up against your giant. You have to realize your giants will not leave on their own. Right? They're not probably just gonna disappear. In fact, verse 16 in this story tells us Goliath comes out for 40 days straight, 40 days in a row. He comes out and he taunts and he challenges the Israelites and they're not responding. It's almost like they're losing the battle before it even starts. And I imagine like every night the Israelite army gets together, the military gets together, and they kind of have all their, you know, uh, smartest strategists, and they're all sitting around the table, and I kind of imagine King Saul's there, and they're talking about a different strategy that they might try tomorrow for how they might be able to win this battle. My guess is, because they are followers of God, that they probably pray, and they're probably praying, they're probably asking God to help them with the Philistines, to help them defeat, to help them win this battle. But for 40 days... They essentially do nothing. No one knew what to do. And if you're just kind of waiting around hoping that your opposition is just gonna disappear and then this pathway opens up for you to just kind of walk right towards your dream, your purpose, then chances are that dream will probably die before you ever even get started. Now, important question because we've been following the life of David, right, in this series. Where's David during all this? During the 40 days that Goliath is coming out and he's issuing this challenge, where's David? Well, he's watching the sheep. He's doing diligently, like we talked about last week, he's doing diligently what God had given him to do for that time. And then one day, out of nowhere, his dad comes to him and says, David, I got a mission for you. I want you to take lunch to your brothers. I want you to go visit them, take them some food, check on them, see how they're doing. So David does it. David takes off. He gets there. Uh, he's there with his brothers. He's there with the Israelite army. And he's there when um, Goliath comes out for his daily challenge. 
And David's never seen anything like this, right? So he has a ton of questions. Like he's like, who is this? And what is he doing? Is Why is no one accepting this challenge, right? And one of his older brothers hears David talking. And this is what he says, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. It says, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? You hear the condescending attitude he has towards David, that, that little twist there making David feel like he doesn't matter, making David feel like he doesn't count. Remember last week, we talked about what it feels like to be overlooked. It, it continues to happen in the story. He goes on, he says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him for you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now, here's the third thing you got to remember when you're facing your giant is you have to remember that both courage and fear are equally contagious. Both courage and fear are equally contagious. And so when you think about your life, you think about the season you're in right now, who in your life is saying that you're not qualified? All right, who in your life is saying this can't be done? Who in your life is saying this will never work? Who in your life is saying stop wasting your time? This story sadly reminds all of us that it's often the people that are closest to us who have the most difficult time believing in us. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but who is it in David's life that's trying to hold him back? His dad, early in the story, doesn't see his potential, doesn't... doesn't think that he has what it takes, right? His brothers are holding him back. Now King Saul, his leader, the person that he looks up to. And if you've ever had someone that you consider to be a leader in your life, someone that you looked up to and, and they looked down on you and didn't see your potential, you know how devastating that can be. See, the reality is this. I think God has a plan for your life. I think God has dreams for your life. I think God has a purpose for your life, right? But I've also discovered that everybody else has a plan for your life as well. And when God's plan for your life doesn't match up with their plan for your life, people are going to come out of the woodwork trying to hold you back. That is why being an approval addict and a dream chaser are almost always not compatible. You got to choose. Do you want people's approval or do you want to chase God's dreams and purposes for your life? And disapproval, again, it's one of those giants that's so tough for so many of us. I think it's one of the biggest ones. I, I, again, I struggle with this. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to approve of the things that I'm doing in my life, right? And sometimes what happens, it's like in life, you're kind of going with the flow. And as long as you're going with the flow, everything's smooth. But the moment you step out of that flow, right, that moment you begin to chase God's purpose or plan or dream for your life, right? And you break away from the flow or you break away from the herd. That's what I call it, the herd. What is the herd going to do? The herd's going to do what it always does. It's going to criticize that which breaks off from it until it'll move back into the flow. And that's why you just, you got to figure out whose voice you're going to listen to in your life. Somehow, 
Somehow David figures this out. And he doesn't listen to the voice of his brothers and he doesn't listen to the voice of Saul. He listens to the voice of God. Look at this, 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by a sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into his hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into the bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. Here's the fourth thing you got to remember when you're facing your giants. You got to remember the power of your God, not the size of the obstacle. And here's where things get kind of tricky, right? Because um, if you and I were to go out tonight after the service and grab a cup of coffee together, and um, if I were to ask you about the giants in your life, if I were to ask you about the opposition that you're facing, if I were to ask you about, you know, the circumstances or the illness that seem to be holding you back, I have no doubt you would talk to me for hours about them. You would describe why they're holding you back. You'd describe what they've been holding you back from. You'd describe the history of how long they've been holding you back. You would tell me all about what it is that's holding you back. You told me all about what's discouraging you right now. You tell me all about what you feel like is defeating you right now. You tell me all about it. You know, what's interesting in this story is when you look back through scripture, when you look at this story, you know what everybody's talking about? The giant. What happens when David steps onto the scene? What does David talk about? David talks about God. Everybody else is talking about the giant. But from the moment David shows up, he's talking about God. With his brothers, he talks about God. With the other people, he talks about God. When he meets with Saul, what's he talking about? No chit chat about the battle. He's not asking Saul about the odds. He just gives Saul this God birthed announcement. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine, right? He continues the same theme when he goes up against Goliath. When the giant mocks David, how's David respond? David says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of our Lord. Nobody else is discussing God. David, it's all he discusses. And so what we see is this subplot that begins to appear in this story. It's more than David versus Goliath, right? That's surface level, right? It's much deeper than that. The subplot that appears is it's God-focused versus giant focus, right? God-focused versus giant focus. Everyone else is majoring in the giant, but David majors in God. And so what you discover in life is the, the problem really is not how big the giant is. It's how small it makes you feel. And that's what happens the more and more you focus on that giant. So here's the question, all right? Just a, I want you to answer this question honestly. What are you talking more about right now in your life? You're talking more about God or are you talking more about the giant? 
Are you talking more about God? Are you talking more about the opposition? Are you talking more about God or are you talking more about the pandemic? Are you talking more about God or more about that person who uh, seems to be standing in your way at every single turn? Are you talking about more about God or are you talking more about whatever the current roadblock is that you're facing? See, I think the challenge is that we begin to shift our focus, just like David did. David's focus was not the giant. The giant was certainly there and he was aware of it, but it wasn't his focus. His focus was on the power of his God and what he knew his God could do through him. Here's the uh, fifth thing. I think you gotta remember when you're facing a giant and that is that the struggle makes you stronger. The struggle makes you stronger. Think of it this way. David actually needed Goliath. Now, I don't think that David probably knew that in the moment. I think for David, going up against Goliath was just the next right thing that God had for him in that moment. But David absolutely needed Goliath to fulfill the purposes and the dreams that God had for him. The reality is him defeating Goliath is what allowed the people of Israel to be able to trust David when he finally is anointed king. David needed that moment in the same way you need your giants. You cannot become the man or the woman that God has created you to be without fighting some giants along the way. It's part of how God forms us and shapes us. And like I said in the beginning, I wish, I wish there was an easier way to just kind of skip through and learn surrender. But a huge part of learning surrender in our lives is going up against giants and realizing that we can't fight them on our own, but only through the power of the Lord. Sixth thing, last thing uh, that you need to know. Uh, when you're facing your giant, and that is you got to act on belief instead of doubt. And we've, we've talked about this before, but faith is belief plus unbelief, but acting on the belief part. Now, this is real important. I want you to think about this. Did David know something that the rest of the Israelite army didn't? No. I mean, David really, like, from a belief standpoint, believed all the same things that the rest of the Israelite army believed, right? He didn't know something that they didn't know. What everybody knew, David included, was that Goliath was going to be a, a, a very difficult battle, right? Like, that, that Goliath had the potential to kill any one of them, right? They knew that. They all had that knowledge. They also were followers of God. So they all had the knowledge of the power of God. They all had the same ancestors from the nation of Israel. They had seen and heard all these stories of how God had worked in so many mighty ways. So this wasn't a knowledge thing. David didn't know something that the rest of the army didn't know. The difference between David and the other soldiers was not that he had faith and that they had doubts or that they had doubts and that he had none. You have to understand for all of them, David included, they had some doubts, right? And they also had some faith just like me and just like you right now in this moment in your life, you have some belief, but you also have some unbelief, right? David, just like the rest of the nation of Israel, he had some belief and he had some unbelief, but on that day, he chose to act on his belief. And that's the key to living out our faith. It's not that we get to a point in our lives where we, we no longer have unbelief, it's, it's not like we're ever gonna get to a point in our life where we, we don't have doubts. We're never gonna get to a, a place in our lives where we don't have fear. All of those things will continue to exist. But what sets people apart that God uses in mighty ways is that individuals who choose to act on the belief instead of the unbelief.
And I got to tell you, friends, I still believe there's a lot of giants in the land. And I also believe that God is still looking for some Davids. He's looking for some men and for some women who will choose belief over unbelief. He's looking for some men and women who could still believe in our world that is so full of darkness that there's still a light. He's looking for some men and some women who would still choose to believe that despite their past, despite their shortcomings, despite all the negative rhetoric that might be happening in their life, that they could choose to believe that God could use them in a mighty way. And so whatever giant that you might be facing in your life today, my prayer for you is that you would choose belief over unbelief, that you would choose to act in faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are a good God. You're a good God who plants dreams and goals and wishes and desires and passions into our heart. You call us to live a life that's far beyond what we could ever live on our own. But we also know that it's not like an easy life all the time because there are still giants in the land. And pretty much all of us are gonna face some kind of opposition on our pathway to fulfilling the purposes that you have for us. We're all gonna go into some battles. And God, what we have to remember every step of the way is that we are not alone, that you are with us. Just like you were with young David who was out there on that battlefield who chose to act on belief, you were with us. And for those of us who are willing to step out in faith, who are willing to say we will endure the attacks of the opposition, we will stand strong, we will believe in the power of our Lord that he can overcome all of it. God, we are grateful that as we go into our battles, that as we face our giants, we don't go alone, but we go with your power and we go with your strength that is evident in our lives in so many different ways. So God, may you show yourselves to us, even in this moment, as we continue to worship together, God, will you lift up our hope, lift up our eyes, and may we focus on you and not the giant. May we be caught in this moment talking a lot more about you than we are the opposition. And may we act on belief instead of unbelief. For it's in your holy and your precious name that we pray. Amen.